Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hello. And Andrea Smith, tech guru extraordinaire. Hello. Hello. Um, on the show today, on day something of our quarantine, self-isolation, pause, whatever everyone's calling it right now, uh, we have a guest on the show, writer Michelle Ruiz. She wrote an article that really caught our eye and sort of flew around Facebook called The Exact Moment I Had My Mom Meltdown in Vogue.com. And I think there are probably a lot of moms and dads out there um, who've been through at least one <laughs> meltdown. Um, if not, maybe you're not doing quarantine right. But we're going to have Michelle on the show today to talk about the article, to talk about why she had her meltdown and how she got through it. Um, and just talk about parenting. She has two young kids, three and six. And so we thought we'd get that perspective on it too, since Amy and I are sitting here with teenagers, which have their own issues, but very different. So we will be right back with Michelle Ruiz. We are back with Michelle Ruiz to talk about her article <laughs> rant. I'm trying to, like, to sum it up for you. Um, called The Exact Moment I Had My Mom Meltdown. It is on Vogue.com. And um, this wasn't even that far into the quarantine, I have to say, Michelle, and yet it resonated <laughs> with like every single person I know sharing it on Facebook, on wherever, because it, it didn't take long. No, it didn't. It did not. <laughs> it did not. Um, it was really day two, I guess, and I was maybe a day removed or so from that, where where I was then like reflecting on... I don't know, day one or, um, or, or the weekend leading up to it. But yeah, I mean, I guess I felt like everyone had come together in a very stoic and strong way. And what choice did we have, right? You know, school was canceled for at least five weeks. And now I have friends in other states like Virginia who they're, they're canceled through the end of the school year. You know, everything just like life and work and school just started to get canceled and, and there's all the fear and everything happening. And I felt like everyone just had this huge burst of like strength and kind of a can-do spirit. Like, here's the charts and we're going to organize this and we're going to homeschool them and we're going to make stews and we're going to do everything that we need to do to get through. And I think for me, I just, and I was part of that, surprisingly enough, to make, to, you know, when I'm usually someone who like on one snow day is like, this is so annoying. <laughs> um, but I was, I was going along with that, riding that wave. But then I sort of sensed that at a point I was going to have some sort of breaking point or meltdown. And, um, and I did. And I, and then after I wrote it, I realized that a lot of people were having a similar experience of, you know, one mom who's actually a grandma just said that she sat down with her coffee the other morning at five or five 30 in the morning. She's an early bird and just out of nowhere, just burst into tears. <laughs> um, so I guess it's a little bit of a different meltdown than the usual or it could manifest itself that way, I guess, but a different meltdown than, you know, necessarily snapping at your kids. It's sort of like this emotional snapping of not being able to, or just letting out all of the emotions of this moment. I mean, do you think, you know, it's funny, like a snow day, you know, has an end. <laughs> 
Um, you know, it could be one day, it could be two, but don't you think part of the reason for that, like fragility is just this great unknown. Like it's hard to plan for something when it's infinite. And I think the pressure really is on moms for some reason, still more than dads to do their work, get everything done and still tend to the kids and like keep everyone together and not be scared and not be scared in front of your kids and not talk about it in front of them. You know, like all these rules that need to be enforced so your kids don't totally freak out seem to fall more on the moms. Um, and it's just this extra layer of burden when we're so unsure as well. Yeah, for sure. I think the unknown is everyone's comparing it to the Frozen 2 song, Into the Unknown. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, un the unknown is really great. And I think, yeah, even, you know, even a one week, my daughter was supposed to be on spring break. Um, the first week or so the second week of this, again, I have no idea what day it is. Time, <laughs> it has is, a, time is a flat circle oh. now. But yeah, I mean, that was a, in, that was a, you know, finite one week thing. And she was going to go to spring break camp one of the weeks and the other week we were going to take a vacation and like you kind of can tidily, uh, you know, the way you plan for summer camp, like you, you look at a period of time and you try to troubleshoot it. And for this, yeah, the interminability of it is totally crazy. And I think it just, it lends to the sense of anxiety of like, I saw someone post a kind of meme today that was like, there's a reason why we are, why, why these roles are, are clearly defined. There's a reason why we don't, why we have childcare and why we don't have, why we're, you can't be a stay at home mom, a homeschool teacher and a working career person simultaneously. It's not really possible. And so, I mean, and, and it's hard because I think a lot of people I talk to are kind of like, I have to put this in perspective. I could be, you know, on the front lines of like what is an invisible medical war. And like I think of my friend, like I said in the article, who's working in an ER and I feel like my situation compared to hers is nothing, but it is still a, it is still a parent's kind of worst nightmare scenario on a, on a variety of levels. And yeah, and I think moms do kind of have that sense of, of the emotional caretaking where really the meltdown I had Usually it's me, quite honestly, being pissed off that I have to sort of switch around my work for that snow day or that I'm going to take the fall really because I'm a freelance writer who has more flexibility in my job than my husband does. But I feel like in this case, it was, you know, looking down the street at my daughter's bus stop and, and I really felt for her to the extent that, you know, that she gets it is it changes from moment to moment or day to day, but just felt so sorry for her. And I see a lot of moms saying this to you about their kids, like their kids miss their friends and they are used to this very lucky life. A lot of them going to school, hugging their teachers, not really having to worry about anything. And just that every day, like all of those little everyday things that, um, were so normal oh, two weeks ago are now just like a, like you said, back to your original point, like you have no idea when we're going to be back there doing that again. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think, Amy, you said you had no frame of reference for your kids for this. Like, you always feel like something happened in your life that you can say to your kids, well, this happened or that. And this is like, we're all just going, you know, blind into what this is. Right. And I think about that because, you know, we used to talk to the girls all the time about 9-11. I mean, I found out I was pregnant about four days after 9-11. And we lived downtown. And like that feeling of knowing that nothing would be the same um, and what was going on down there and how extreme it was, as crazy and upending as all of that was, it was actually quite contained. <laughs> and I remember when my husband went back to work. We lived downtown and he worked all the way uptown. And his first day back at work, he came home and he said, it's like it never happened when you go uptown. He said, it's the weirdest thing. And I'm like, how is that possible? And because we were living with like, there was smoke and there was bazillions of people putting up, you know, missing person signs all over and whatever. He's like, no, it's like, it's like nothing happened. Uh, That just speaks to like what's needed now, which is routine and structure, right? So if if he went uptown and everything was normal, people were back to work, which is very surreal and, and, you know, crazy anyway, but it's like kids today, they don't have that structure anymore. They know they get up, they have breakfast, they go to school, you know, they come home or they play with their friends. And that seems to me what's gone, what's missing, um, and why, Michelle, you and other moms and parents feel badly for your kids because they're missing all those things in their daily lives. Yeah. And I think, I'm, you know, in, to try to get around that or just to try to cope with that is... You know, I had a, I had a friend, for example, who is like talking to her husband about how you know teacher teacher mom teachers are in, in a good position for this because they can actually teach their kids stuff. And she was feeling kind of like, oh my god, you know, my kids are not going to learn anything. I'm not a teacher. I can't do this. You know, imagine how nice it would be for my kids if I were a real teacher. And her husband, I think, gave her kind of a a check in that moment that I've thought about where he was like, look there. Yeah. This hopefully God willing will be like a blip in the grand scheme of her, like of your, of their kids is 18 year education. Like I think we, especially as like type A parents are kind of like, Oh my God, they're not going to learn stuff. They're going to, I'm failing them and all this stuff. But I'm kind of like, well, they're going to learn that when times are tough, this is how we cope. And they're going to learn, like my daughter's going to learn right now that like the brother that you fight with every day is actually your best friend because he's going to be here no matter what. If the rest of the world falls away, you, you have your little brother no matter what. You know, that we're going to be there for each other, that we can get through something that's tough. And like that, I think, did make me feel somewhat better because it's sort of, it does put in, persp- in perspective like, there are bigger, I'm getting, I'm getting very crunchy with the education at our house where I'm like, (laughs) you know, dancing. Yep. It's PE like cooking. Yep. That's math. Like I think it, it is kind of like a back to basic sense of all these things that we're worrying about and fretting about is those things are secondary to the, some of the things that maybe our kids are going to learn from us. But I don't know if you guys feel this too, but it's kind of like, you you feel like and maybe it's a blessing in disguise but like that we have to like set the tone and and try to kind of be um like be the leaders and and be the lifelines and sort of keep normalcy going and keep routine going and and 
make sure that they're not too scared or that they're being heard and all that stuff. That's the hardest part for me because, um, you know, my kids are older, they're 15 and 18. And I can't remember the last time I had blown up um, before this all started. And now I'm averaging about two mom meltdowns a week. I just had one actually today, not long before this. And um, I'm trying to set a good example, but the kids are old enough that I don't always bother. And they're just seeing my anger and my despair. And then I always clash with the child that I, you know, normally would have clashed with under other circumstances. Like Mm -hmm. she's just, she's pushing my buttons. And now with the added stress of this, I'm just letting it happen. It's not good. And the thing is, like, when this all started, I remember saying to my husband, like, oh, my God, thank God the kids are older. You know, thank God they're not they're not your kid's age. Like, your kids are, like, <laughs> exactly the nightmare age that I was envisioning because as teenagers, you know, they'll just go to their own space and put on headphones and and ignore us. But on the other hand, I think I would have felt like I had more of a duty and a purpose um, and that I could have hidden a lot of what was going on from them if they were younger but they watch the news too they know everything that's going on there's no hiding any of this from them and you know I'm just trying not to be a ball of stress worrying about the world and their futures and what they're going to lose out on yeah and they're losing out on so much too right that's what I was going to say like my girls are seniors in high school like that's it for their senior year like I'm not saying that to them but I don't think they'll have graduation I don't think they'll have prom um We've been sitting at home all together every day waiting for college acceptances. Do you know how not fun that is to be with your children <laughs> in, you know, 1,100 square feet while everyone's waiting for the, watching the clock till it's time to get a freaking email saying open your portal? Um, and then that they has don't, to be so stressful. It was for you and for them. It's awful. And what's oh. also awful is they don't then have their friends the next day at school to like all bounce off of. So everyone's scared to ask anyone if they got in. Everyone's scared to find out, you know, like it's, it it made everything so much more anticlimactic, but also less shared. Like they couldn't sort of have each other to lean on or have, you know, they're doing it over text, but it's weird. And I think, you know, I have just not tried to show them in any way that I'm upset for them for those things because it just it really does make it worse like I'm like we'll figure it out you'll have a digital graduation you'll have a zoom grad you know <laughs> like we're not at that point yet no one said that's happening yet um but even with this college stuff it's like they can't celebrate with their friends they can't celebrate their friends one of my daughter's teachers um was killed 2 days ago in a car crash like you forget those things still happen um, and so all the kids are just left on their own to sort of process that they get an email from their principal, you know, it's like, they can't go to a funeral, they can't, there's no wake, there's no nothing um, to celebrate this teacher than this happened to. And you're just, it, those are the things that I think are a very, very weird um, reality, because those aren't just like my kids used to a day to day structure, it's society structures that have been in place forever. Um, you know, your senior year is just supposed to have prom. You're supposed to have a senior trip. You're supposed to have graduation. If a teacher dies at school, you're all supposed to go to the funeral. You know, like there's those things that I think are the most disruptive because they've turned upside down um, 
just your societal norms. It's not even like your little family norms. And that's the stuff that I'm like, I am at a loss for them. I'm like, I'm just, you know, you're just, you're just sad for that. Um, and then people make you feel bad. Like people are dying. You're sad because your kids can't have prom. And you're like, oh, you know, fuck you. Yeah, you're, I think it's like someone said, posted something about this too. And it was like, well, you, you're allowed to be sad for about a wide range of things right now. And not going to prom, not going to kindergarten, not being able to share these things, not being able to hug someone at a funeral. And now the funerals aren't even happening not being able to sit shiva about your friend who's in the ER. It's all like worthy of sadness, I think. Mm -hmm. But I think, I mean, to your point, Amy, it's like there isn't really a frame of reference, you know, for how to act. And I think in terms of the meltdown, part of it was like everyone wanted to hold it together so badly and and everyone kind of did hold it together until that, until the moment that the meltdown came, you know, so people or reaching out and being like, well, my meltdown came the other day when, you know, I, the calendar invite popped up that it was time, you know, what would have been like mm. my daughter's birthday party that we had to cancel. Or, mm. you know, sometimes it's just happening to people out of the blue. And, and it's like, I don't know, there's no real way, there's no framework for how to act with this. And I think in the beginning, I was just trying to be very strong about it. Although today, I cried a little in front of my daughter and part of me was like, you know what? I, she's a smart six-year-old, and um, she's gonna see me cry right now. And she, and then, and I, I'm gonna tell her it's gonna be okay. But part of me was like, should I not? Should I pretend that you know, one hundred? Should I one hundred percent pretend that I'm fine? Part of me like wanted her almost to see, to see that, to have her know, like, this is a hard time. It's okay to cry about it, and it's, and we're gonna get through it together. But. Yeah, I mean, my my son basically just asked where 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 Nana was, where my mom was, and she usually comes in every Friday, and we're all really kind of super sad about it, and just his kind of innocently asking where's Nana, just like melted oh. melted and broke me. I'm and sure. Hey, Michelle, I don't think you said how old your kids are for our audience. My kids are three and six, so the three year old boy has no idea and he's like loving life because um, <laughs> he, does, because he doesn't have to go to school because I'm home. Yeah. He wants to spend every day with me as it is. And that is kind of like a weird bright spot because it's kind of like, well, you wanted me, you got me. Um, but he just doesn't know. And so when he asked that question, I started to cry and just that's a roundabout way of, you know, coming back to your point, Amy, of like, how, how do we act? You know, do, do we keep it together as much as we can and then melt down sometimes or, should we sometimes be open about the fact that this is hard on us too and we're only human? I don't know the answer. Well, if it makes you feel any better, we had a guest doctor who said that um, you shouldn't pretend. You need to have those mm. moments and then move on and have them see you moving on. Mm -hmm. Right. It teaches them resiliency. Like this is really, I mean, I guess that silver lining is that this is an opportunity for kids to learn resiliency. You know, we have this anxious generation that we never knew what they were anxious about <laughs> now now that now they can be anxious for something real um but they can also get through it which you know might make them a much hardier generation like the generation that went through the depression you know like there are big things that do build a more resilient generation maybe this will be you know there'll be a silver lining for the kids at the end of this that that come through it without you know hopefully losing family you know there's other things but i think it can't be bad for your kids to see you process things and work through them and then be okay. 
Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think technologically? Because part of me is like, this is just a generation of, and I mean, all of us have sort of been absorbed into this to an extent, but definitely kids are just like immediacy. Like you want something, you order it. You want to know the answer to something and then you Google it. Like it's, but now you, there's all these checks on our everyday life where, you know, we, we can't have whatever we want and we can't do whatever we want. And I don't know, there's a lot of joking about how like (laughs) the greatest generation we are not, but it's, this is a humbling sort of like, you know, uh, like gut check to our way of life and, and how, and how are we going to be after this is I think a big question that people keep asking and I'm really curious about. And I tried to sort of write about in the article where I was kind of like, I never want to take, you know, for granted the things that I just any old day that I did in the past. But I also know that, you know, the collective memory is kind of short, but it feels right now in the midst of this, that like this will, that this would fundamentally change, you know, our outlook and maybe our kids outlook too. I can tell you that I have friends whose kids hate school, like literally kids who have to, like, they have to wake up eight times in the morning and make them go to school, like preteens and teens. And Every single one of them I've spoken to them last week says their kid just keeps talking about how they want to go back to school. Mm. Like they are hating the online thing. They just want to be back at school. And I was like, well, hey, <laughs> you know, cured your kid of that. Like, well, and it's so I, nice to see kids who are usually glued to their phone and perfectly okay just texting with their friends or FaceTime, video chat, Snapchat, whatever wanting to see their friends, wanting Mm -hmm. to be person to person, wanting to have that human connection. And I see it in adults too. You know, we're all cooped up and it's, you know, if you can do a Zoom call or a FaceTime call and have a glass of wine with each other and just kind of say hi and check in, it's almost like, it's almost like that whole thing where we kept saying technology controls us, that now we're able to control the technology a little bit. We're using it for the things that that it helps us do, um, like work, like socialize, and not so much that we're all about technology anymore. Yeah. yeah, I had a Zoom with friends the other night, and it was really great. And everyone was kind of like, this really exceeded our expectations. And it was just a bright spot of happiness. And someone was like, we haven't all been in the same room together because people live all around the country was college friends. And, and someone was like, there was nothing stopping us from doing this in the past. And there's nothing stopping us from doing this in the future. Yeah. So I kind of feel like it's, it's, it is using it for good and using it for connection and, and realizing that we can use it that way, that the time that maybe we six of us would have individually spent scrolling Twitter or Instagram, we could be zooming with each other and like having that connection and being, you know, made that joy of just seeing each other all at once at the same time. That's a good thing. I guess there'll be good things to come out of it like that. It's funny. It's sort of how everyone always pretended social media was being used, right? Like how Silicon <laughs> Valley always pretended like reconnect the world. And we are, meanwhile, it's everyone in their own little echo chamber. And now people are actually using it <laughs> the way that they've always pretended they were going to use it. So maybe that'll be good. Maybe we'll, out of this will come a healthier way to use technology and a better appreciation of in-person everything. I do think that there's going to be a lasting um, effect from this in the coming year, because I think we all know it's probably coming back again next year. And so I think that this is going to be a summer and fall where people just appreciate the hell out of 
everything and every moment outside. I don't know if it'll last like past when this is done, more or less, but I I do think that that the next year, even somebody like me who hates going outside is going to be spending a lot of time outside. Yeah, we've never spent so much time outside as right now. All we do is go to the park with our dog. Our dog is so tired. <laughs> she's just she's walked like eight miles a day. She's like, stop. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it cuts both ways where I've never been more grateful to be outside. I've I'm like, I'm am I gonna become a nature chick when I've never <laughs> been that person? Like I feel like we're like getting again so crunchy. We're just in the park and we're like, let's go on a scavenger hunt for acorns and find a flower and it's very um miss lippy from billy madison we're just getting really loosey-goosey but so i feel like in a way it's like we're holding so close to technology and we're zooming and we're facetiming my mom and we're and we're so and facetiming all of our friends and and i'm so grateful for that and then at the same time it's also sort of like reminding you of the simple of, of disconnecting and like the pleasure in that too. And realizing that like so much of our time that we spend online, not being, you know, being online right now is really, I feel like love or hate. It's either connecting you to people you love. And it is like that sunny, happy Instagram ad vibe, or it's sending you onto an anxiety spiral and you're needing to get away from it and go walk the dog. I. Uh. There's so much. This is going to go on. There are going to be so many articles written about this, like for the next five years, of <laughs> just the repercussions of all this and the consequences yeah. and how it affected like parents psychologically, obviously healthcare workers, but like this generation of kids, they're going to, they're this generation, like your kids age, like the little ones that aren't really Gen Z, that's going to be their generation's like moniker. They're going to end up being like the. Oh, they're calling them Gen Z. Oh, Gen Z for coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids. Oh, God. Sorry, guys. Have anything better. Um, but thank you, Michelle. The article is great. And I think it just resonated with so many people. And, you know, let's hope that this ends sooner rather than later and that everyone can get back to whatever that new normal is. And we'll link to the article um, on our show page. And I'm sure we'll have you back on. I think this is <laughs> going to be... <laughs> A little bit longer. I'm sure we're going to need constant um, perspectives on, on what we're all going through. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. We will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? All right. So this one is for everybody, but, you know, especially for Andrea, because I've been promising her for like, I don't know, a couple of weeks now that I would send her a recipe. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I, it's like, it's, you know, it's on the list of things to do and I never get to it. Um, so I, 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 it's done. Like it's now on my blog and, um, it's delicious and it's easy. And I've been making this so much during this lockdown. It's insane. Um, it's a potato frittata and it, cooks really slowly on the stovetop. Um, you don't ha you don't need like a pan that you can put in the oven or anything because I just do it slowly over a very low flame on the stove for like half an hour. And it is delicious. It's eggs and potatoes and milk and cheese and, and rosemary. And the best part about it and the reason that I've been making it so much is that it tastes good hot it tastes good cold. It tastes good room temperature. It tastes good the next day. 
Um, if you have a family that's like never down for breakfast at the same time like mine is, you just make a big one and cut it in quarters and leave it on the stove and they can come eat it whenever they want. Um, and I have not been able to test this out yet, but when I, when I was first telling Andrea about this recipe, when I was trying to come up with it, I was telling her, you know, the only kind of pain in the butt part is that you have to boil the potatoes, like you slice them and boil them for five minutes because they, they won't cook completely while you're cooking the eggs. And she said, oh, well, can I use my sliced canned potatoes? And I was like, what? That exists? I had no idea. I've never heard of that. What? I didn't know. My husband used to make home fry, uh, hash browns. That's like he got the sliced white potato or home fries. And he would just chop those up with onions. And he didn't have to peel and slice potatoes. You just open the Del Monte can and pour them in. Yeah. I had no idea. And there's so many I've recipes. I've never heard of that. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> so in my cabinet of perishables, <laughs> I got sliced white potatoes. And I want to try this recipe out with it, but I haven't been able to get my hands on any yet because as you can imagine, that's oh, a yes. hot item Because right Andrea now. bought them all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoarding them all. <laughs> and it, the thing is like, there are so many recipes that I use potatoes for where you would not be able to tell if they were not fresh like home fries you know like when I make home fries if I don't have leftover baked potatoes I microwave potatoes doesn't matter you know you could totally use canned I'm sure um so I will warn you that I haven't tried this with canned potatoes but I cannot see why it wouldn't work beautifully with them because all you're doing is parboiling them before you put them in so well, guess what as soon as I go to your site and get this recipe and figure out the Weight Watchers points on it unless you already have <laughs> I'm gonna try it with my canned sliced white potatoes and I'll let you know please do because it just cuts you know one big step out of the recipe and makes something that's easy even easier um, and for those of you who don't necessarily want like, you know, Parmesan cheese and rosemary, I'm sure you could sub in other things. But if you make it as is, it's it's just delicious. I'm proud of this one. Um, so there you go. All right. Andrea, what do you have? All right. So so here's the deal. I have been reading and I've been reading about cooking. And I know that Amy knows how to do all of this stuff. And when <laughs> I ask, I'm always feeling like such an idiot. So, oh, I never want, I never <laughs> want to make anybody feel that way. I'm so sorry. Well, no, I think I asked you last week or two weeks ago, like, well, how do you do this certain thing you were talking about? Um, so there were two articles in the Washington Post, and I think that they've lifted their paywall for, for now. So hopefully they have. Um, but you know, I'm doing these runs to Trader Joe and I'm loading up on my broccoli and my Brussels sprouts and my asparagus. And then all of a sudden I think, oh, but I didn't eat it. What am I going to do? It's going to go bad. And then someone said the word blanche to me and I'm like, what? <laughs> so golden there's girls, an article. What? Uh, golden girls, exactly. So there's an article called How to Freeze Fresh, Fresh Vegetables While Preserving Their Best Qualities. And it is all about how to take these vegetables how to blanch them, how to lightly cook them, how to freeze them, what kind of containers. It's awesome. And then they had an article, dry herbs get a bad rap, but they can be flavor powerhouses. Here's how to use them. And that's the other thing I don't do enough, which is dry herbs, because unless I've got my rosemary and my basil and my cilantro out in my garden, I don't really use a lot of herbs. Oh, 
we got to use the herbs. So <laughs> I know, I know. So those are the two things that I've been reading and trying. That's awesome. Can I can I tell you my favorite thing about blanching? Yes. So I cannot stand it when there's like a party or get together or whatever, and there's a vegetable tray, and I bite into raw broccoli, raw like beans, that stuff. If you just blanch it for a minute, it it's brighter, it tastes better, and it's not like raw crunchy, but also not soft. It's so much better for a vegetable platter to blanch those kinds of things. Well, and I have to say, it looks really easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks really easy. (laughs) So now I know. So next time I have you over and I have a vegetable platter, I will blanch my vegetables (laughs) for you. (laughs) Nice. That sounds good. Maybe someday we'll be able to see you in person again. (laughs) Otherwise, we're going to be seeing our blanched vegetables. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, wait. I have one more thing. Speaking of Zoom. Uh, So... Everyone is Zooming. Some people have been Zooming for a long time. Others are just starting to Zoom with grandparents and trying to uh, figure it all out. And so USA Today had a really good post. Here are 10 tips to get the most out of Zoom. And it is literally like, here's what you do. Here's how you sign up. Here's a, you know, test your audio. It's a great primer for anyone who um, has been hearing about Zoom and definitely wants to get on board. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, my bite is actually something my mom and my sister bought me for my birthday called Almond Cow. It is, I would say it looks like a large electric kettle. Um, It makes any kind of nut milk or any kind of grain milk in the contraption. like, And it makes it in about five minutes. Wow. It is awesome. I made almond milk for the first time yesterday. One cup of almonds makes about four cups of almond milk. Really? Uh, Yep. And you control what you're putting in it, right? So I bought organic, unsalted, raw almonds. um, So you don't have to worry about all those weird additives they put into the almond milks. You can add vanilla extract. They have a whole bunch of recipes on their site. I There's a coffee place near us that has this incredible almond cashew milk like that they make fresh every day so that's my and it's ridiculously expensive so I never buy it there anymore but now I'm so excited because I can make almond cashew milk for like a dollar and make you know a quart of it um so I can't recommend this thing enough it's not cheap but if you are someone who buys a lot of alternative milk not soy I don't think soy works in here but oat any kind of nut um it will make its money back very quickly. And I don't know, it's a fun thing to do. You're home anyway. Then you don't have to worry about almond milk. (laughs) It's not that hard to find nuts. Um, You know, you don't have to carry home all those gallons or half gallons from the grocery store. But it's great. It was, And it stores really easily. Again, it's not that big. It looks like a large electric kettle. That's Um, cool. I've never heard of that. And super easy to clean. That's the other thing. Like That sounds awesome. It's awesome. It's at uh, almondcow.co. It's great. Highly recommend. That's a good might... present for you. They did I well. Know, it's such a good present. And I don't have yeah. like a big gallon glass jug. Like I have little jars. So I ended up putting into four jars, which actually turned out really well because then I could freeze too. Like mm-hmm. it actually worked out well. But ah. I think I'm going to go buy myself an old fashioned glass jug because <laughs> they're cool. 
Um, but that is my bite. That is our show for today. You can find everything we talked about at parentingbites.com and on facebook.com slash parentingbites. You can leave comments, ideas for shows. Let us know how you're surviving your quarantine slash self-isolation slash pause, as we say in New York, Mario Cuomo. Mario, I always call him Mario Cuomo. <laughs> Andrew Cuomo. And my girls make fun of me all the time. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. Mario Cuomo was the governor for most of my life. I will never be able to say Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> but anyway, that's where we're at. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share wherever you're listening to us now. And until next week, stay healthy and happy parenting. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.